0: James chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower fails, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Father, thank you for these ancient words, words that are as relevant today as the moment they were first given to mankind to record. I thank you for Barry, Father, I thank you for his love of you, I thank you for his desire to know you through your word, and I pray that we would be the beneficiaries of his study and meditation as he opens these verses to us today. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.
1: If you are visiting with us today, welcome. Thank you for joining us on this Lord's Day, on this long weekend. We have been going through the book of James these last few weeks. The words that have been read from verses 9 to 11 are where I will give my focus this morning, but words only have meaning in their context. And so those of you that have been following along will recognize the necessity of seeing these words in their context. And those of you that are visiting, I will do my best to put the words in their context as they are intended to be understood in the mind of the apostle for the church. It's a really simple text, really. What do you boast in? Mm-hmm. What's most significant? What, what do you take most pleasure in? What are the paths that are well-worn in your soul from the desires of your heart? They're fundamentals of Christian life, really. If we don't get these fundamentals right, we'll be frustrated as Christians and, in fact, probably hypocrites as Christians as we pretend to be one thing and really not. And the other thing, other than boasting that the text addresses, is the shortness of life, our our, uh, our mortality, that we're going to die one day. What are you doing this week? Well, what if you had died in the midst of it? Would it have any continuing significance in the world? Would it have any kingdom value? Or just another thing like the trees that are on the grass out right now, just another thing on the ground, dead? This is the place in the book where wisdom begins to be dispensed. James has exhorted the readers to ask for wisdom. And this is the place that God gives the wisdom that we ask for. Verse two, where it says, consider it joy, brothers, when you face trials of various kinds is still the echo in the room for this particular passage because it puts its finger on a lack of wisdom. Can you hear that echo in the room still? Count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. And I don't know about you, but I immediately acknowledge in my own soul I don't possess that kind of wisdom. I understand why adversities come. It's to make me complete. It's to mature me. I get the why, but the how is what the, now the book begins to address. How are we completed to towards perfection in the midst of adversity? In verse five, James says, made it clear that we need to ask God for his wisdom verse has pointed it out that we're foolish we need wisdom I don't have that kind of wisdom verse 5 says well you ask God for wisdom but the substance of the wisdom isn't left vague you ever ask for wisdom and go well actually that's not the wisdom I want can you give me some more wisdom <laughs> well often we treat the scriptures that way no that's really wise but that's not the wisdom I want right now we just keep listening until we, hear, until we hear what we want to hear. Oh yeah, that's it. That's what I want to hear. So after exhorting the people to the church to ask for wisdom, it doesn't leave it vague of what kind of wisdom we might receive. It doesn't leave it up to the people to be the determinators of what actually is wisdom. James begins to give the wisdom that they are asking God for. do you understand the flow we need wisdom we ask for wisdom this is the wisdom that God gives it is a particular kind of wisdom that addresses boasting not the kind of boasting that is bad that is negative that brags about something and say, well we're not supposed to be boastful people. That that's true. We're not supposed to, to brag in something, but the, the rich and the poor are called here to a particular kind of wisdom that boasts. And it is a boasting in the sense of what do I delight most in? You know what makes us miserable all the time? If you just stop and examine yourself when you're miserable. There's something that you take most pleasure in that you're not getting right now. And it makes us miserable. This is the kind of boasting that James is talking about. Where do I get my strongest sense of delight? What gives me the most satisfaction? What gives me contentment? What gives me my identity? See, that's, those are things that you boast in, in a positive sense. The rich and poor alike are equal footing in this particular exhortation. And so he commands the rich and the poor to boast. Because both of them must learn to rejoice, to find their greatest satisfaction in the right thing. And before we will ever be able to consider trials to have the kind of wisdom that he talks about in verse 2 before we have that kind of wisdom to consider trials a joy we need this particular kind of wisdom to not find our significance in our material position to not judge ourselves according to the economic social structures of the world because the trials that we face will invariably affect our material condition you ever face that in life that's not the kind of wisdom that we want lord take my money away lord affect my purchasing power lord make me to boast in the right thing forgive me for seeking pleasure in the things that aren't meant to bear that kind of pleasure seeking the people that james is writing to probably many of them had suffered economic hardship Because of confessing Christ through the years many people have suffered economic hardship because they have confessed Christ I believe that it would be within reason to say that in our own generation there will come a day in this country also where Christians who choose to confess Christ in the workplace will face an economic hardship as a result of it and we'll have to make the very same decisions that Christians have made all through the course of history. What will I prize most? How will I judge and deem my own significance? What will I desire above all I see? It is impossible for us to be joyful in trials if they seem and appear to diminish our significance and if our sense of significance is built upon the material and social economic structures of our world we're never going to be able to count trials as joy and so something has to change wisdom has to enter the soul something has to change radically about our own self-perception our own sense of worth and where it comes from what we boast in and so this is the main point that I would like to get across from this particular text today. That counting trials of joy requires a wisdom that evolves a new identity and a new perspective. And that wisdom and that identity has to transcend the world. You know what the word transcend means? God lives transcended above his creation. And there's there's something about the need for us to transcend, not in an arrogant way but in a deep sense of conviction that that is not who I am all of the identities that the world would give us and the perspective that the world has on the goods of this world it 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 has to change and it has to be replaced with a kingdom identity and it it's one of the it's one of the first steps of a Christian and that first step of a Christian puts us on the path to the life of a Christian it is a new identity and a new perspective see there is a reversed hierarchy in the kingdom of God and the reason for that is because there is a complete sea change of what gives the Christian significance I love the word sea change because you you know we live around islands and sometimes you just you feel the current and if you've lived here long enough I'm from Alberta but I I've lived here long enough to hear the talk of people that have had have grown up around the islands here and and the kind of movement of water that goes on this is the kind of movement that has to take place in the soul with regards to our identity and our our perspective God is real and that changes some things no it changes everything God is real and it doesn't only change the things that we wish to be changed Lord you're real so would you please change this Lord you're real I'd really like it if this was changed would you please change that God is real and it changes everything and so that's what's going on in this wisdom there is something that is true about God and experiencing the reality of who god is that is making a difference it's changing everything and the thing that is changing everything to make the poor person boast in his lowliness and the wealthy person boast in going oh, his in his exalted position and the rich person boast in his lowliness is that equally rich and poor together are god's beloved we are god's Beloved, that is what makes the poor person boast in their riches, and it is what makes the rich person grasp that they have nothing in their material wealth. The Lord's beloved. We are called children of God. 1 John 3, 1, how oh, the Father has loved us, that we should be called the children of God. Let me pause on this for a moment it's so simple that Christians think they understand it and they don't get it it has something that has to be penetrating into the deepest part of our souls a sense of significance that says I am God's beloved and be delivered from the fear of man and to boast in the right thing you say well you know I, I don't know that I can believe that that I am God's beloved I I don't think I'm good enough to be God's beloved I don't think I've attained to that place yet where I am God's beloved and and that's the proclamation of the gospel see it it isn't modesty to doubt that you are God's beloved it's unbelief and if you waver in your faith on this very thing you will be like a wave tossed in the sea. This is the wisdom that James dispenses to those that ask God for wisdom. Two words, the first is a kingdom identity, the second is a kingdom perspective. The boasting that James commands to the poor and to the rich alike is rooted in an identity that doesn't depend upon money. Ever see a snakeskin? skin? It's an interesting thing to see that the, the animal, the snake, has completely shed that skin and left it behind on the ground. That's what the floor of the church needs to be covered with. The empty skins of our worldly identity. We intuitively know from the time we're young what hierarchy's like. What the social, who the, what the pecking order is like. You walk in a room and pretty soon you know who's the boss here in charge who's the most important person in the room what James is dispensing is the wisdom that transcends that but it is so deeply ingrained in us from the time that we are young I opened an Instagram page a few days ago and I can only take it for a few minutes I had to shut it off but what a picture of social hierarchy You know, all these poor people that want you to follow them. (laughs) No. Oh, my goodness. What a picture of the tyranny of the social structures of our world. It is. And Christians must be careful not to use social media for the wrong kind of image management about what you think other people would be jealous of or wish they had. But this is what James does before he gets on, and he'll get on to several issues that the church is dealing with in the midst of them. But first of all, he deals with the individual. And that's what he's doing in this wisdom. See, before we can ever see the world aright, we need to see ourselves aright. And so this is where wisdom begins. Instead of a, a lens that that and this is the kind of the wisdom that we all want. We all want to be wise. We all want to have wise opinions about what's going on in the world, what's going on in the church. But the first thing that James dispenses in wisdom isn't a lens to look at the world. It's a mirror to look at oneself. To see oneself aright. Later in the book James will address that lens and and address conduct towards the rich and the poor. And it's called partiality. We'll get to that in chapter two. But before we can ever display the wisdom of unity as a church that deals with partiality, we need to experience the wisdom that that heals ourselves, that heals us from insecurity because we're poor, that heals us from vanity because we're rich, and gives us an identity. That is not wrapped up in the worldly social constructs of the world. We all want to belong to a church that has unity. People don't fight with one another, quarrel, envy one another. I've seen churches where the pastors envy one another and fight with one another. Go, wow! I wonder why the gospel doesn't have power here. But this is where unity comes from. Rich and poor. The breaking down of the worldly economic... Structures, a church without prejudice, a church without quarreling. That is a church. It is the function of a strong identity in individual Christians. That's where that kind of church comes from. A, a church where individuals learn to boast in the right thing. See, we can only eradicate prejudice in the church if we eradicate where it comes from. Our own insecurities, our own understandings of significance, our own lack of wisdom. And this is where the path to perfection begins, here in one's own soul and self-perception. What gives you most satisfaction in life? I am my beloved, and he is mine. Psalm 37 4 it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that wonderful? I remember reading that over the years. I read it about once a year, reading through the Psalms once a year, and I pause on it every time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will give you what your heart desires. And what does your heart desire most? But peace contentment freedom from the tyranny of caring about what other people think delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you those desires the apostle Paul says in the book of Philippians the fourth chapter he says I've learned the secret of this stuff I've learned the secret of it it doesn't matter how much stuff I have. it doesn't matter what the circumstances are in which I live. I've, I've learned the secret of it of contentment. The second word is this perspective. Wisdom comes from a proper perspective on wealth and wealth's capacity, the rich person's capacity for many pursuits and undertakings that simply do not. Endure. And James uses words from Isaiah chapter 40. The rich, like a flower of the grass, he'll pass away. The sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also the rich man fades away in the midst of his pursuits. It's season so we have a very vivid image of all of the things that were so glorious just a short time ago Now they're dead dead on the grass only to be raked up and thrown into a compost heap wealth is not sinful but trusting in wealth is wealth is a blessing from God and James here is not talking about the evils of the wealthy person or the evils of riches he's talking about the character of the rich person not talking about his bank account he's talking about his character wealth is a blessing from God but it's not to become a God replacement I don't Know that I fully understand all of the different ways in which my dependency exists along these lines of things that are just going to pass away. And all of the pursuits and things that I have that in the end really, really don't matter, right? What are you doing this week? I'm building a fence in my front yard. It's a beautiful fence, it really is. But it's a fence, it's just a fence. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago about technology and cell phones and they had their iPhone out and they say, yeah, this is really a remarkable piece of technology that, and then he couldn't remember the inventor of the iPhone and Apple. He couldn't remember his name. (laughs) What does a person have to do other than put a piece of technology in the population of half the planet and people still remember your name? It's Steve. (laughs) Who's that guy? What was his name again? I was in my office a few weeks ago and I read the latest update from Josh and Jamie Rivers. You want a mechanism to have perspective. Hook up with people who are living in parts of the world that we don't live in. Read their stuff. Let it let it wash over you. It'll change you, it'll affect you. I was sitting at my desk reading the, the stories of Jamie, going off on a journey up into some part of her of 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 province, meeting somebody she doesn't know who, saying, Lord, would you please keep me safe? This person needs somebody to tell them the gospel. I sat at my desk and I thought, I'm building a fence. According to Jesus, it's impossible for us to have riches and not trust in them. Therefore, God must do the impossible to bring a rich person into the kingdom of God. So when adversities and trials affect our economic situation, affect our grandiose plans that somehow disappoint us in the things that we hope to do, want to do, we can count them joy and take a step towards maturity if we learn the wisdom that those aren't the things that endure. You know what endures? God endures, but also people endure. God cares about people. God bless you for all of the different ways where you care about people. In the most simple ways, as husbands and wives, as parents, as grandparents, as neighbors, as God's people. All of the different things that you do that, that may seem trivial, if they give you strength in order to spend time with people, then they're things that God blesses you with. Use them, enjoy them. I like motorcycles and I use it sometimes to spend time with people sometimes because I need to be alone so that I can spend time with people (laughs) (laughs) because that's what I care about most Psalm 49 man in his pomp will not remain don't be afraid when a man becomes rich and when the glory of his house increases When he dies, he'll carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed. And though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generations of his fathers and never see light again. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. An old Puritan that said this, that, it's possible to have less of the spirit because we have too much of the world. Ever go to your doctor and say, you know, doctor, I, I don't have enough energy. I just seem to can't be able to do the things that I wanna do. I, I wake, up, wake up in the morning and, I, and I'm tired. And your doctor might say something like this, well, you don't have enough energy because you got too much donuts in your life or too much caffeine or too much beer. Well, this is the spiritual physician speaking I don't have enough of the spirit in my life. I don't have enough of the delight of the Lord in my soul. Well, maybe you have too much of the world in it. Psalm 119 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. And these are the kinds of things that we often go astray in. Identity and perspective. And the Lord afflicts us mercifully in order that we would gain wisdom. I read this at the beginning. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. (laughs) The key word there is the word imagination. (laughs) The things that we intuitively go to for our strength, that in our imagination they, they give us strength. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous man runs into it. The words of James are best summed up from Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. I hope you know these words. I've thrived on them my whole life. I'll close with this. Thus says the Lord Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this that you understand know me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord.